Welcome back to Sir Reginald's Monocle. My name's Toby Shaver. I'm here with my brother Dave. What's up, Shavy D? How you doing, Toby? Doing awesome. We just finished watching episode five of season two of Netflix's The Umbrella Academy. This one was called Valhalla, and uh, it was uh, pretty sweet. I think we got off to a good start on this one. We, we, we got to see some uh, Pogo backstory. Oh, finally. So awesome. So awesome. It, it, oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, you know, I just obviously baby Pogo is just spot on. Awesome. But in a previous episode, we had talked about uh, Grace, you know, and, and uh, her seeing Diego or, or more pointedly Diego seeing her at that party. And, and right. we had kind of spoke about hoping that she was more than just, you know, a, a date or whatever. And, you know, the payoff of having her be, you know, tied to the whole project and being a scientist and, you know, herself. I'm so happy. I'm just so I'm feel, I see, I feel so paid off on that character. So I'm just really excited to go forward and see, you know, what what befalls her eventually. Yeah, and uh, I mean, talk about slow playing it. I mean, we went through the entirety of season one and the first couple episodes of season two before, you know, anything was even really addressed about this this talking monkey, basically, um, or chimpanzee or what? Chimpanzee, right? Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of love that about season one that it was just, you know. Him being a chimpanzee was irrelevant to his part of the whole story in season one, you know? Like, he could have been just an old man. He could have been just, like, an old, you know, colleague of Sir Reginald's or something like that. So, like, it's 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 nice to finally see them, you know, going back. So, uh, set the scene a little bit. So, we find, you know, Pogo is... Uh, it's a, basically it starts with the image of like the crate and it's stamped like Cape Canaveral. Yeah, it was like primates of the Congo. Uh, correct, and uh, opens up the box and uh, the crate and the image you see, you know, kind of you know it's a it's a point of perspective kind of shot and she's and it's looking up and it's you see the face of Doctor Grace and. Uh, and uh, the little montage is basically his his being trained uh, to be a uh, a space monkey. A, uh, oh, I loved it. Oh, just awesome. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, obviously, with the accident on reentry, um, you know, it was such re- it was so reminiscent when they brought him in and treated him of uh, Luther. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you if you if that was supposed to be. The same kind of thing that he injected into him, if it's some kind of... I would have to assume so. I don't... I I really don't know. I don't know if, you know, um, as far as... It seemed like they were implying that, I guess. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, certainly from the comment in season one about the, you know, you can't give your blood because you're, you know, you're more compatible with me than with Allison. (laughs) So, uh... Yeah. Um... (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, I like that. And then just to kind of put a little button, a little exclamation point on the end, I loved that 
he, you know, he had Sir Reginald had a genuine soft heart for Pogo. Oh yeah, it was the first time we really saw him as a, you know, as like happy and a father and, in a, in, yeah. in a very real way, and that and and I love yeah. that because it comes into play in later in the episode, you know. And we'll well, I was gonna say because it does, right. it comes full circle. Right. But I love it. I mean, so the foundation is that it was almost like a representation of a nice little family, you know, the two of them and and Pogo, and uh, yeah, I really like that. I I, I mean, it just. It, I, Another great part of this show is that they just do a great job establishing a little, you know, tempo and a little bit of uh, story to start you out right in each episode. So, yeah. And as far as the timeline, that was like 1962, wasn't it? Like the when when uh, it went up or when all of that started. So, I mean. Like that entire process. I mean, are we to believe that entire process with Pogo that we saw has been just in the last year and a half or so? Yes, I would think. I mean, I would think so because just judging by the size of him when they ran into, you know, it was the end. It's it's basically the end of '63. Yeah. Um, when he scratches five. You know, and he's not yeah. th- that much bigger at that point, but so they got him ready quick. Yes, yes. They got him ready for his his space travel pretty fast. I would be interested in history if there's, you know, when the when that test flight was with chimpanzees. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that if they wrote that because they they're tying so much in with actual history. But I've not looked into see so, but I, It would be interesting. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look that. So what's up with the guy? You know, part of the. Magnificent Seven, or wait, what are they? The Majestic Twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that's been like real Seven. close. I like that. The one who's been real close to him, the guy with the the shades and the black hat. Y- yeah, kind do of. We, the... Do we know anything about him? No, but uh, he seems he, special. He, he seems a standout. He certainly. That's certain. I'm certainly. There's the setup that. What I found he was reminiscent to me was. Uh, the smoking man from x-files oh yeah you know so yeah, that's good you know that's better i was thinking men in black yeah i mean no the smoking man's probably a better yeah better reference right because there's a little more enigma there and there's a little more where you know eventually i think there was the exchange kind of be- between he and sir reginald where you know he's he's has enough clout to to give some pushback you know he's the other guy the impression i got was he was he was somehow special within that group correct i think so yes so yeah so so we'll see we'll see how that one pans out yeah so then after after we get pogo's backstory um it, it comes back to present time in in 63 um with diego who is he's definitely on to lila now i mean he knows that she's full of shit he just in fact he even says that he's just he just he's used to people lying to him but he needs to know why or what what they're lying about or whatever yeah he he basically he he has no idea what's up with her but he just knows that his bullshit detector is going off yeah i thought that was handled good handled well the um yeah 
Well, we talked about it last episode. It's kind of crazy that he's so easily duped by love or whatever, you know? He needs to he needs to be able to stay on task. Again, as they do so well, there was a nice little slow roll or I'll call it like a rolling boil through this one with him. You know, exactly like we talked about last time, there was almost of like a like a smittenness, which is kind of almost you would think kind of goes against the the core of this character. But, you know, there had been the nice setup, you know, she treated his wound, you know, they had some, you know, they did their thing. Um, so I think he's, you know, he is willing to maybe be a little more patient or a little more, you know, give her some slack to see, you know, what she, where she's going with this. Um, <clears throat> so I liked, again, how they handled it, where you could see where he'd be a little more of a, uh, you know, a mark, a little more of a sucker in the last episode. And I like that they addressed it right away. You know, right away, yeah. five kind of breaks down the bullet points of why she's full of shit. And then he basically says exactly. And then he still kind of gives her that one last little chance to like, <clears throat> you know, have an explanation or, or, or say something else. And then... She does it, and then, or you know, tries to kind of just be funny. Yeah, and, she know, had some brush it off, some shitty and then, excuse. Then, yeah. like you said, that was when you know he had the line he had, and yeah, it was it was great because it, you know, like we've talked about many times, you know, he's the, of all of them, he's the 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 mission guy. He's the he's the guy that's that wants to put in the reps and and you know hit the streets and and do do the stuff that has to be done. So. Well, it'd be real easy for them to just, you know, say, hey, yeah, Diego is this badass, but, you know, every hero has a weakness and Diego's is the ladies or whatever. But, you know, they didn't overplay that. They, you know, once that's what I kind of like is like once people are once the logic of the situation is explained to people in this show, they usually get it. You know, it's not like. uh, Right. You know, we don't have in a lot in a lot of superhero shows. We we have characters sometimes that you know, in the face of all this shit going on, are still not believing it's happening. You know what I'm saying? They don't really do that in this show. They kind of get past the the nonsense. I totally get what you're saying, and that's kind of what I was trying to describe in like with the Diego character in the, you know, slow boil type of thing is. You know, and part of it's just, you know, a quality portrayal by the actor, but it's also, you know, even really to the core of the comic book version. But, you know, although he is an ass kicker, and like I said, he is always worried about the mission, they've done a nice job of establishing, you know, he really is the heart of the team. I mean, as much as, Hmm. you know, Luther is, is certainly you know, an earnest and, and, and caring person, you know, Diego, I mean, all along the way, you know, the, you know, this, the relationship they've shown between he and mother, the relationship that, or the, you know, you got to love someone to hate them. So the, even the relationship he has with Sir Reginald, but like, 
again, going back to season one, that one scene where Vanya speaks of like how much of Sir Reginald was in um, Mother. And, you know, it gave him pause because he's heartfelt. And then obviously, uh, you know, Detective Patch and all that kind of stuff. So they've done this really well, I nice think Diego job. would have loved to believe that, you know. I think right. That's it, Diego would love to believe that a lot of the stuff that he was getting from Mother was actually Sir Reginald. I thought it was played beautifully. I thought that he really, in that scene, there was a sudden awareness of, wow, I've never thought of it that way before. Maybe, just maybe. Yeah. I mean, his, and I'm sure his, you know, visceral, like, gut instinct is, you know, bullshit just like everything else as far as when it concerns Sir Reginald, but, uh, sure. but anyway, but, you know, back to Diego, just, yeah, that, that's one thing they've done great with that character. And he specifically has, has done so well with it is, uh, really, you know, you could really do a, 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 a thin cliched version of like, I, I keep up a tough exterior to hide the inner softness or whatever. And, he actually, I think, portrays that throughout. And that's what's so funny, you know, when when he and Luther have their, you know, scene later, and he makes the comment about not, you know, Diego says to Luther, I don't, you're so big that I sometimes don't notice how soft you are on the inside. I forget how, yeah, I forget how sensitive you are. Or, so. Yeah, yeah, something to that effect. So, uh, um and it, to me, it was just so perfect because it's actually the perfect description of, I think, how Diego is. So, yeah. I mean, as far as toughness or, or, or hard right. shell. Right, you take you away know, the word big and correct. trade it with badass. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, no, that's interesting. That's a good, that's a good observation. Yeah. Um, and if we, and if, since we're on that subject anyway, um. What did you think of that scene with them? I mean, I know we'll have to get to what put them kind of together communicating or whatever, but uh, I think that has a lot of potential. I, I really like the, you know, it almost reminds me of sometimes with, uh, you know, in good uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stories where they'll have the... What scene are we talking about, just so we're clear? Well, do you know when... Uh, after they have the family meeting, right, and they okay, so we're jumping ahead a little bit. Well, okay. yeah, I mean, maybe we can. I'll just touch on it when we come back to that. Why don't Why don't you? Okay, yeah, let's on, wait till we come because I think I know what you're talking about, and I did want to talk about okay, when good. they're walking down the down the street where the Diego kind of chases them down when Luther's just yes. done with everything or whatever, and, and, yeah, and we can talk yeah, yeah, more yeah. of it when. It, well, when let's it, talk about it. Let's talk about it now that we're there because we're jumping around, so we're fine. Okay. Yeah, I just like the fact that, uh, you know, through so much of this already, there's been this established pattern of, you know, Luther has been the guy that's followed. And and although, I don't know, halfway through season one, you know, it started to be established that obviously he had been sent to the moon, you know, as just a diversion or just as a way to, you know, remove him from the situation for a little while. Uh, just so Sir Reginald wouldn't have to deal with it. Um, so it's been, you know, it's kind of been a slow process, him coming to grips with all that. And, you know, I like that 
now presented with a situation where, hey, you know, everybody's got to kind of come together. You know, it would have been very easy to write it as, okay, he, you know, he's shaking that off. He's shaking his his uh, questioning or his, uh, you know, indecision about this, and he's he's, you know, back at it. You know, it's for the family. I like that. You know, yeah. obviously, he's no, I'm done. I'm just done. I don't. I'm, I'm done. And Diego was the perfect person to be the one that actually has to go and have the conversation with him. Um, yeah. So again, I, you know, that kind of led to uh, when he did chase him down or when they did, you know, kind of continue the conversation, that's when he made the comment about, you know, with him being so big, he doesn't always notice that, you know, he's a, the sensitive one and uh yeah yeah know, and he think, sure is boy he's oh yeah for sure <laughs> just for sure it's just and i just think that that's uh it's tough it's tough to be space boy yes it is and i think that's a nice but they do such a great job writing these relationships because like these siblings every you know one-on-one relationship between each of them is becoming very very well fleshed out as we move forward i mean you you can see it you can you can almost you know the the way each of them relates to each of the other siblings as adults you know it completely informs like how their relationship was growing up even though we don't really see it you know, you could tell that Diego and Luther probably had the, you know, butting head alpha, you know, one was the number one male, you know, kind of going up against each other probably. So they had a competitive thing and, you know, you can kind of tell how these relationships were. Certainly. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're last in line, number one or number two doesn't worry so much about you, but one and two are always yeah. competing and. And especially being manipulated by, you know, Sir Reginald for from every indication you know, uh, we, we're seeing so father far. Father of the year. Right. Yeah. But now I don't recall, but I think it was right before, I think it was during that walk. Or no, actually, you know what? It was before that. I think it was before they went and got everybody. It was when it was just. Okay, so let's go back. Let's take a, let's take a step back and talk about that then. That part so, where, uh, with, with Elliot. Yeah. Uh, five diego and luther right okay. right first okay. i mean first we got to see <laughs> allison and Klaus. first we got to see allison and Klaus doing a little day drinking but that that was just kind of for for fun you know they were taking the afternoon off but uh so yeah when we get back to elliot's you know first we see luther you know scrambling up some eggs you know <laughs> presumably just for himself yeah just a couple dozen <laughs> just, it was like the it, it was uh, the Hulk from Endgame. <laughs> it was the same serving of eggs. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it, love it. Um, which was hilarious. But, uh, you know, during that we find out that uh, Luther actually took the bus trip and went and visited Sir Reginald. Oh, you know, I was, after... that was so awesome. The... So... You know, he hadn't brought this up to this point, but, uh, you know, Five made some comment about, you know, the closest we've gotten to him was, you know, out in front of the the party that night. Um, and he's like, no, no, I saw him. 
So he makes the trip all the way from Dallas um, back to Sir Reginald, shows up. It's a part, oh, this was like a heart-wrenching scene. Um, I mean, he's like getting, <laughs> out, getting off the bus. He's like practicing his lines, you know. Oh, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm your son. And he's practicing it before he goes in. And, well, before he even uh, gets on the bus, he's he, he's like six cents short. So he has to ask the bus oh, driver yeah. if, it's like, I'm if he can borrow cent six short. cents. And then he pour, he doesn't even pour his cup right. Like he, he's, he dumps a little bit of the change on the ground and has to pick it up. And, I mean, it's just like... Everything is sad, sad. Everything about it is so pitiful, yes. <laughs> For sure. And then, uh, like you said, once he arrives and gets off the bus, he you know steals himself for the situation and kind of gives himself a little pep talk, what's he, what's, what he's going to say. And, and then when he walks in, it's just like freaking something out of, uh, you know, Austin Powers almost. You know, a, a yeah. little classier than, you know, not as, as cheeseball as that, but like... You know, very sixties. You know, shagadelic, uh, shagtastic. But like old, crowd. yeah, but old money kind of. You know. Oh, the, certainly, certainly. The, it was the the rich, and you know, they're like he's he smells, so like he's walking by, and people are like wincing. <laughs> right, right, classy, hip and classy at the same time, and uh, you know, yeah. as he's kind of inching through the crowd, uh, he eventually. Uh, Looks up and sees Sir Reginald uh, kind of holding court and, uh, you know, entertaining oh, yeah. the, the crew. and um, So great. It was awesome. And before he walks over, um, well, basically he tells a joke and kind of, the you know, the punchline is him having another drink. And uh, so he starts to head over for the bar. And that's one thing that I, I don't know if I, I imagined it or if it really happened, but I swear it looked like he switched his monocle real quick as he walked away from the, from that group. I didn't think he switched it, but he took it off. I thought he took it off and put it back on. Mm. But, uh, but I think that that's like a thing. I think it's like a, almost like a tip the hat. Well, I thought it was like, almost like a, um, because I thought I've heard that with monocles, they're kind of like, um, like a like a bifocal, where if you flip it, it's for distance. You know what I mean? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know so that. So, like, if you're standing and you're looking close up, that was what I got. But I, I, I could have totally just made that up in my head. That may not be a thing. I have no idea how monocles work, but I'll that was what I got. Up, the impression was he now. was just going to walk away, so he just flipped it. Okay. You know. But I, I don't know. But yeah, I did notice that. But yeah, so he comes up and introduces himself and just, I'm your son. No, you're not. <laughs> just, I'm your son. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, that was awesome. Was so I love that awesome. after all of that, his, his response was, I took a bus. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, talk about just sad sack to, you know, to the ultimate, but yeah. I love the response. Like you said, not not only as he's walking through the crowd or like walking towards the bar, you know, he keeps saying like, I'm your son or, you know, I know this or that. And it's like, you know, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then he says, you know how I know you're not my son. I don't like children. I don't want children. I'll never have children. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Reggie is. Uh, yeah, he's not a touch and well, touchy feely guy. I, I love when he's like, he's like, to, says to Diego, well, at least I didn't get shanked. And he's like, no, bro, he shanked your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. So good. But yeah, that was perfect. So, that was, that was a. So yeah, and, that, and that's when they're sitting around deciding, you know, basically the. The only their only solution is to get the band back together. Um, so how did that work? Luther didn't want to go get Allison. He didn't want anything to do with that. So five, or um, right five yeah. five said he would go and get um, Allison, and then he uh, you Allison, know, Klaus was right. there, so he ended up getting both of them. But he said he sent Luther to get you know he said, can you handle getting Vanya from the farmhouse? And, uh, yeah, and that was uh, and that was that. So they've all, all basically gathered back together, and you know everybody was happy to see each other. Yeah. And and then at one point, which is cool. I love that scene. I love that scene when they all came back together. That was yes, it was played you know, perfectly well as yeah. far as I, I the excitement, and yet the you know you don't necessarily just run and and embrace with your family, you know, you, yeah. you, you give them the smile first. You might say a word or two, then you, well, you know, I mean, obviously the, the embrace between Allison and Vanya was specifically the, you know, supposed to be extendedly awkward, but, but yes, I just love, I think your comment is spot on because I just, it was a, it was a crowd scene of several people. And there was like that feeling out, like super happy to see each other, but like, it's, I, I don't even almost know how to put it in words. But well, it's I, like when I, our I really family gets it. together on when our family gets together on Christmas Eve. You know, once everybody's there, you know, there is that nice warm feeling. But that doesn't mean that shit's not going to go sideways at any point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you you got to be cautious. No, no, no matter how happy you are to see each other, you got to be cautious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You never know when the white violin's coming out. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but so I the, love it when they're all together. I love the dynamic, you know, be, again, between each of them. It's, it's and, enjoyable. And, and great. Uh, we'll talk about both super funny and then super kind of broke my heart was the. Um, so it's been here. Oh no, you know, oh, dude. ghosts can't time travel. It's so and, funny you put it that way. I was just going to say that I found it hilarious and sad at the same time because it is funny how he's kind of, you know, just disavowing him and saying, well, this time he said he didn't, you know, ghosts can't time travel, but um, well, it's sad and hilarious at the same time. Right. And then it showed the, at the very end when Ben was just sitting there by himself saying, hey, I'm so happy to see all you guys. I mean that that really yeah. I almost get a lump in my throat again. Oh no, he it. said he said I really miss you guys. Okay, so, right, uh, even even more so. But I mean yeah. just the thought of like yeah. not being able to convey that through Klaus right. for yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, and it sucks because yeah. you know, uh, ostensibly, you know, we have to believe that Ben could go to follow any of them at any time if he wanted to, but he 
is craving, you know, them being able to see him or know that he's there or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, like he he could ghost stalk any of them, I guess. I mean, he's not there because Klaus brings him there. Klaus can just see him. Am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I know that there was a few little quick scenes from their youth in season one where, you know, they were getting ready to battle once or twice, getting their uniforms or whatever. And, and it seemed that kind of Klaus and Ben associated a little more with each other. So I'm sure that, you know, that maybe accounts for a little bit of the established relationship, but but certainly... Yeah, it's the desire to, you know, he he wants to be with his family. Oh my gosh. I'd I'd watch a whole separate show with just the, you know, actually them as kids, you know, being oh. the Umbrella Academy. This it's got so much legs. This thing has so I mean, as, as, as long as like they an don't animated make... show. An animated show of that would be oh, sweet. Of too, the kids? You no, know? anything. Well yeah. yeah, the animated show would be neat done in the you know how they'll occasionally do but like kind of in the style that the comics right is. like I say just a movie seen... you know a standalone yeah. movie from whatever yeah I'm all that about that sweet. now I, I've really embraced the you know not really the multiverse angle per se as the Elseworlds angle yeah you know? or as the everything is everything's it is its own story you know a self-contained and that can exist you know? concurrently with an ongoing series yes, like you know for so sure. that's what i i like for sure just just adding to the to the uh yeah you know the yeah there's a I'm, I'm, the, the word you have to watch me, your but... you have to watch your tv and movies the way that you read comic books i mean you'd never bat an eye at you know a a mini se- a batman mini series that's not canon you know, right. it's just its own thing. Well, it just you it, can still love it, and it can be great. You it, know, it doesn't. It adds to the lore of the character and and enhances mm-hmm. the you know overall backstory, really. But yeah, yeah. No, I just I'd love great. to see some adventures and and see some of the you know interaction of these characters as kids, and the, you know they'll probably get maybe get deeper into that if if this show keeps going forward, but. Um, so after we see the little family reunion and after everybody's back together, um, we catch up with the handler, um, who, uh, at this point, now we see the Swedes. (laughs) Well, first, well, going back to the beginning where we said, you know, five kind of called her out on her bullshit and Diego gave her that opportunity to kind of come clean and she didn't. So she heads back to be with mom and mom actually comes clean a little bit with her for a change and says, you know, yeah, the, the commission doesn't know what we're doing and, you know, it is what it is. And if I thought you needed to know, I would have told you, but I didn't think you needed to know. (laughs) She says to herself, (laughs) I like that. And, uh, but, um, next thing you know, the, uh, you know, she asks Lila if she brought the knife, Diego's knife. Yeah. She did. And then I think shortly after that is when, you know, the Swedes got the the uh, message to go after yeah, Diego. Yeah. Yeah, they got the message with the picture of Diego. And then, um, 
you know, and obviously in the episode it all jumps around and everything, mm-hmm. but the next thing we see uh, in that story is the Swedes at night kind of walking through the woods, tracking, you know, you can, you don't really know, but you, they're, they're tracking something, and, and uh, we see Diego's knife sticking in a tree, and one of the Swedes walks up to grab it and is, is uh, exploded in a beautiful effect. It looked fantastic oh it was gorgeous it was awesome and it was you know for just basically the standard you know three guys in a in the woods going after people yeah it it was you know it was only a couple seconds long really and it 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 got the tension there just enough so when he stepped near it and like had to have that one last step you, you you know you had that nice little second attention and then boom like you said it was a great effect um and uh so so the question it leaves though is what how is how is his knife how was that a tracking i mean obviously they track him by the knife but what about that knife is trackable uh, I didn't take it that way. I think that in the when they saw the picture, because they never showed the, there was never like an instruction to kill him. It was just a picture of him, and then I think that was a um, uh, uh, GPS coordinator. Not that, that's the wrong way to put it, but you know a, you know on a map, what's a like longitude, latitude type of thing. It was. I think it was a. Yeah. So I think they were just sending him, sending them to kill him, saying, hey, he's going to be basically in this general location. And once the one guy kind of saw the knife, he stopped. And then he paused. And everybody else, obviously, if you're on, on, you know, maybe he's like the point man or whatever, the other two are going to pause for a second, but they don't have the angle to see the knife. And then he's like, okay, I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. I can take one more step towards the knife, check it out, see what's going on here. And then he gets blown up. And then that basically Mm. implicates Diego as, at a minimum, because they had to go after him, he's responsible for the death of their brother. But it's also the, you know, potentially he set them up. You know, it's, it's just a great way to, like, leave them really pissed off. And... I think slightly earlier when uh, the handler was coming clean with Lila, uh, she made mention that they were, uh, I think she might have even, say, even said triplets or whatever, which would be kind of funny in and of itself, but basically that they were brothers. And uh, um, Yeah, I think I think she did say that in the other episode. Yeah. I think she said they were triplets. Yeah. Somebody did. But our, see, I totally read that differently, though, because I like he was using something that was like a device so my impression from that was i mean that's a long long way to go like to have lila steal the knife and then use that specific knife i mean any knife would have i took i i think it has you know what i mean i would have when i watch it again i'll have to look again at the numbers but i specifically noticed prior to that when they got the message to you know, which I assume was a message to kill him because it never had any words. It basically just said the commish um, or the commission, whatever. And it said it had a bunch of numbers on it. It didn't have it didn't have like usually like with 
uh, Hazel and Cha-Cha, it was usually, you know, protect such and such or kill such and such. It, it, this was, I took, you know, I, I didn't even really figure it out immediately until I saw them in the woods. And then once I saw them in the woods, I thought, oh, that must have been a, you know. A, a, yeah, a, no, a you're right. I forgot. I did, I, I did see that. I didn't understand what that was on the no but now that you mention it yeah you're right about that i don't know i mean i'm just guessing but look no no every time i put out a theory it's proven to be wrong so far i'm just glad that (laughs) we were able to like we've gotten more efficient we were able to debunk my theory in real time while we're talking about it instead of waiting until the next episode this is (laughs) good i'm following you i like it i did i thought it was funny just the way they blew them up just because you know it was shocking and funny you know in a in a dark sort of way but then i i felt bad when they were having the viking funeral for him because you know the one swedish brother was particularly upset well that's what i yeah i I figured we would get to that at the end but it makes more sense to talk about now the uh yeah, they, they basically did a Viking funeral where he was out on yeah. a boat. Or, well, basically what was left at, at the scene in the woods was a shoe and a little bit of leg with a bone, a tiny bit of bone sticking yeah. out the top. Just the stump. And, <laughs> and they put that on you know the boat and they shot an arrow, a, a flaming arrow, and had a you know Viking funeral. Um, yeah. Hence the, the, the name of the episode being Valhalla. Uh, you know, they sent Correct. him to Valhalla. Yep. But... Uh, yeah, the yeah. the big guy never has spoken or said a made a sound in the whole thing yet. That was, I think, yeah, why that was symbolic. That, that he's like, oh, uh, that opened the flood. I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. Yeah, kind of, kind of reminded me. You know, if I ever got blown up in the woods, that would be you and Clay. Clay would be keeping it all on the inside. You know, keeping his shit together, and I think you'd be the the open valve. Oh yeah. In that case. Oh, so. I'd find the guy and I'd beat him with your stump. <laughs> See, that's what I'd want. Yeah. Don't put that stump on a boat. Exactly. You take that stump that's a waste. and you beat him. That's a waste. You beat him good. Beat him about the head and shoulders with his stump. <laughs> that's what he would yes. want. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so we're down a Swede. We're down to two Swedes. Yeah, and obviously and I'm, I'm off, yeah. chalking that up to the handler just beautifully playing them to send them after uh, Diego. Um, right, because we got confirmation, and and she also, you, you know, came clean to Lila as well that she's not officially, you know, working with the commission at this point. Correct. So I think she kind of played it off. I think that we actually had a conversation that that cleared it up a little bit. I think from something we talked about in a previous episode that, you know, I when she was talking to Lila about what the Swedes did and if they knew about her and what they were ordered to do and stuff, I think I realized now the handler was kind of bullshitting there. She didn't really fully know what their orders were because she's not part of that. Right. So I think that's what that was about. When we were talking about like what Lila's reaction was to that or whatever, it's because she's not, you know, the Swedes are completely separate from what the handler's doing right now. Yes, I think that the handler's just manipulating them to whatever degree she can, you know. To, correct, because she's that good. Correct, you know she's she's a, a, a woman scorned by the agency. You know she was ousted yeah. from her position of power, and she's not going right. to be having that demoted to the to be a desk desk jockey. Yeah, that would that um, that, would, that that is unacceptable for. 
for her. And uh, no, for a woman of her experience and clout. Correct. So, uh, so ba- five catches up with Lila, and we get to see. Finally, we get to see five. You know, in some hand to hand martial arts. Yeah, really seen, I like that. Yeah, we haven't seen them really throw down hand to hand that that much yet. We saw a little bit um, in season one, but you know, very little. This was the the kind of the coolest fight scene from him, at least this season for sure. Um, I loved it. I love that part. I love. <laughs> she's like Lila's. Like you're better than I thought, and he's like uh, you're and you're entirely average. Well, it, yes, it added some badassery to five for sure, because a lot of what he's done, like, has been so related to his jumping ability where, or, you know, you know, he, he, he'll turn some, the people's weapons on him or get him to, you know, aim and take out somebody else. And, you know, which has been very fun yeah. and visually rewarding. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to just see him kind of kick some ass and understand that he is a very, very dangerous person not to be trifled with and yet at the same time they left it a little ambiguous as far as like did she kind of let herself fall at the end a little bit you know just to, so he could say you know all right come on out handler let's have this out or whatever you know what i mean like lila yeah i, I think that she's going to end up having they almost played it off as if she had some ability like his, but I think it may be speed because when she was up on the roof, when she mm-hmm. initially got him to chase her, she was down at street level very quickly. It wasn't that she ran across the opening at the end of the street that fast, just you know, fast enough for him to see her and want to chase her, but she was all of a sudden in that position very quickly, and there was a couple times in that fight scene where she was all of a sudden far removed from where she just was. And I think it would be redundant to have her have any kind of power like his, but yeah, I think it's either. Yeah. I assumed it was like his, but I think you might be right. The speed would make a lot of sense and it would be something that we have not seen. I mean, that's a pretty standard superpower. If you're if you're making a team of superheroes, for you sure, know, one of them is probably going to be a speedster, so What's it's up? still on the table. So that's, I think, that's a good assumption. Yeah, it's always a fun visual too. You know, you can do a lot of cool effects with it, and uh, and that's always nice. So uh, yeah. Well, actually, I want to save so, this. Hang on. Before I forget to make a comment, I think you actually made a comment a couple episodes ago, but or maybe even the last one, but. Again, my goodness, this soundtrack on this show is flipping oh, out so of this great. world. I it's mean, so it's great. to to start it the way it does with that song, and then the song in the barbershop. I mean, again, just those two, or the beauty parlor, just those two alone must have cost them a mint. You know, so like, they are... are sparing no expense to set the mood and i couldn't be more grateful for that and my goodness allison is just gorgeous like that little dance like where they're just kind of getting drunk and you know saying their woes like her and klaus and uh vanya you know, because of the time period, you know, she's dressed so like a, you know, like a woman, I would think from like the, you know, Motown, you know, like just 
Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. she just is is one one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. But that was a really fun little scene. I really liked the the you know them dancing and just kind of. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great, and I you know as as this one kind of kind of winds down, you know they're all kind of uh, accepting the fact that you know okay this is happening and the apocalypse is coming again. But, you know, now they've got people. So Allison needs to go back and she decides to level with Ray about all of this. And Klaus goes back to his cult. I mean, reluctantly, I think he'd rather just not even have to deal with it. But he's a good person. I think he went back there. He's going to say, look, this is happening. You know, do do your culty thing. I mean, this is what we've been training for. But it's coming now. And um you know, so I, I think that was kind of like just showing that, you know, the Umbrella Academy is about to, you know, like we've been talking about, like how how in 10 days are we going to get from all of them being spread out across the world, um, you know, or at least across Dallas and not together, you know, how are we going to get them to where they're, you know, kicking ass like they are, you know, at the beginning of this season. Um, and we're getting a little closer. Everybody's together now. Everybody's accepted that that this thing's coming and I don't know, we'll see what happens next. Yeah. Well, I like that. I like that as they were, you know, in the beauty parlor, they, they kind of just all three reached a point where they were like, it's time to take ownership. It's time to, to go and do what I should do. And, uh, you know, Vanya wants to, tell sissy how she feels and um allison's gonna be honest with ray and and yeah i think that that that's the nice thing about klaus i i think that and again in this season they even have him playing a little more grandiose than they even had last season which i think still fits it um you know because he is kind of in that cult leader vibe he's not quite ready you know able to shake it well when Um, we find him he's been doing that for three years correct he's going to be in that um groove but I like that they've really done a good job with, you know, whether it was in season one where he was still self-destructive, whether it's, you know, later parts of this, that season or the early parts of this season where he's, you know, sober, but still kind of full of different emotions and trying to deal with all that. And even this last episode where he's, you know, tied one on again, it's never... They've done a good job balancing where I don't think his self-destruction is ever as a means of like lashing out at other people. I think that they do a nice job of he cares. He just, you know, he initially started doing it, you know, to, to prevent the visions, to, to numb himself to, to his power and all the side effects that come with that wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be able to avoid those just because he's super powered. You know what I mean? He would be, he'd, he'd, he'd have the anxiety of having to deal with squashing that and then have all the real world challenges of, you know, being an addict or being so on and so forth. And, Right. I I think they've it's not easy being Klaus exactly, and I think they've done a really nice job of 
through all that, he's never become bitter to the point of blaming others for his plight. And therefore, in a very real way, even in, in, in some of his darker points, there is a lot of like understanding of just trying to embrace the now. And I think it's like I was saying in, in a previous episode that I think it's why the siblings are, um, you know, more tolerant of Klaus because they know that when he's acting out or even when he's badly in his addiction, that number one, if anyone, you know, is justified in that to want to numb those voices those quite literal voices in your head it's klaus but i think probably a lot of it is you know if if throughout all his addiction he had a history of doing mean-spirited things or doing you know i mean he's probably done many selfish things but not necessarily things that are hurtful to other people then they'd probably have a lot less patience with him at this point but everybody seems to be I mean, I, I would question the wisdom of, of Allison, you know, wanting her attic brother to do some day drinking with her. But, you know, other than that, the, the family seems to be pretty supportive of him. Yeah, I think you make a great point because, like, even Diego has a very real bond with him as far as, you know, he's always the one that would drive him because he didn't have a car in season one. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and Luther, you know, because he's so straight laced, he could very easily look down his nose a little bit, but I don't think he ever really does that. And, you know, and they, in season one, established such a nice little relationship with them because of the whole rave night and then catching him with the, the gal in his bed, you know, the, uh, yeah. the one that liked the furries <laughs> thought she was with a furry. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's been a big, big, uh, big couple uh, months for Luther since he's been down from the moon. Oh man, yeah, he's been going gangbusters <laughs> since he touched down, yeah, dude. Totally. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, again, they just all of these characters have such depth, and and you really connect and 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 care about them, so it just works so well. But uh, the one thing I definitely we have to touch on the best part of the whole episode, or maybe not best part of the whole episode but uh, you know i'm very excited for the next episode is the during luther and diego's little walk and talk um there's a black car that pulls up with the most odd looking old man about that that exits yeah and hands diego a envelope which he then opens yeah and it says basically to the people that have been following me (laughs) Uh, I request your presence at a, at a light supper, um, you know, yeah. on the 20th of November. I forget to forget the specifics that, uh, and, uh, they kind of look at each other and Luther's like light supper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I'm hoping I'm sure I- he was concerned about the light part of it. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, so it's about to go down. I liked it, though. They seemed excited. It's like when we hear from Dad out of the blue that he wants to have a shaver picnic. It's our chance to get to know a little bit about this mysterious gentleman. Yeah, yes. <laughs> hmm. 
Well, what I love about the show is just the fact that there's because each character arc is is so far really thought out and really being you know portrayed so well. There's been genuine growth since Sir Reginald's death. So like even yes for sure even if they had him like all of a sudden come back from the dead or be able to communicate him through communicate with him through Klaus there would be some real questions and some new dynamics within how they would interact with him but in this circumstance where he's not going to know them going in it's just so ripe for I can't wait for the banter. I can't wait to hear the, you know, the back and forth amongst all of them, but specifically each of them with him, you know, and, uh, Oh, cause he's such a dick. It's so perfect. Right. And how much do they embrace? Like how much do they tell him and how do, how much do they not? And, you know, because there's other aspects of him that are in the comics that I, you know, that we haven't ever touched on in the series yet, you know, does that open a door for stuff like that? I mean, it's. Well, I would predict they get him to believe them pretty quickly. That would be my guess. I, I think I agree with you because I think that he wouldn't be the person we've come to, to believe that he is if he wasn't well informed and trained well enough to, to discern that very quickly. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like we'd have less respect. Well, he'd be for him. open-minded enough to hear what he'll be open-minded enough to to and curious enough to want to hear what they have to say, and he'll be smart enough, like you're saying, and knowledgeable enough to figure that it is plausible. Right, and he and he you know? strikes me as a person that has the ultimate belief in himself. So he figures he can sniff out the bullshit if it's bullshit, and he'll. You know, they could p- p- yeah. potentially be turned to an asset if that that is in the cards. The other thing I thought of, too, though, is, you know, with, with them kind of portraying him so much as like a one step ahead of everything kind of guy, you know, is a, a twist could con- conceivably be that he knew something about Luther and was just, that was all a manipulative thing at the at you know, at the Umbrella Academy the one time. Or, you know, I don't know. It's it, Yeah, it could be anything at this point. I'm definitely open to the fact that he already, already knows more than, than what he's letting on, but we'll see. Well, and that's what I like so much about it, is they're really... I don't know. I'm not... I, I, I don't even really have a, a specific inclination yet, so... Yeah, I'm just yeah. uh like you said, the the scenes with all of them gathered together are great and then throw him in the mix and potentially like baby Pogo and you know Grace and you know it's like the whole family back together in a totally different form and and I am really excited to see that. So yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's uh let's jump into episode 5 then. And then we'll uh reconvene and Get after it. Or was that episode five? That was episode five. That was episode five. So let's jump into episode six. Yep. And we'll come back and talk about it. 
I love so it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Join us. We're going to go watch it right now, and then we're going to come back and discuss. So we'll see you next time on Sir Reginald's Monocle. See you, Shavy D. Peace.